That's so on brand for you. So on brand. Yep, very on brand. Hey everyone, welcome to the That's So On Brand podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Mann. I'm a graphic designer and business coach, and I am endlessly fascinated by other people's passions. It's our passions that make us unique, relatable, and people that others want to work with and get to know. I'm on a mission to get people thinking about their story and how their life experiences have molded them into the entrepreneur, athlete, or professional that they are today. You may not be for everyone, but you are most definitely a person that someone out there needs right now. So join me every Wednesday to hear from aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners and see just how unique, authentic, and inspiring each person's journey is. So let's get into it. All right. Welcome back, everyone. I'm excited. I have my friend Mike here with me today. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on and to I don't know, get to know your story a little bit more. I know, I think I know a lot, but I'm excited to, to learn more about you. So tell my audience what you do, you know, in your business. Uh-huh. That would be a good place to start. I, think. I love it. So um, <laughs> yep, basically what I do is I map people's sensitivities, which I know sounds super complex. I promise you it's simpler than you think it is. It's actually very intuitive to how it's done. I've done it. It's amazing. And yes, Kristen has done it. So really exciting. <laughs> Um, basically what I do is I help people to map their lived experiences and just figure out what they're most sensitive to. So why this relationship worked out, but that one didn't, or why this turns them on, but that doesn't, why this, you know, business offering really works and it captures their essence and this one doesn't. And so there are a lot of similarities, um, to the branding work you do because people can take this work and then go conceptualize it in colors or websites or a whole bunch of different branding or go a whole different direction and improve their relationship with it. And so really what I'm interested in is just figuring out what do you subconsciously do every time you're successful so that we can do that consciously. Yeah. And I remember you talking about this um, because we were in a group together um, for a, a small amount of time before I worked with you. And I remember you talking about this and going to your website and reading about it. And I was like, I don't exactly know what it is, but I'm fascinated by it. And we kind of all love learning about ourselves, right? So I think we're all a little bit curious, like, what do I do when I'm successful? For sure. And it's, you know, I always tell people it's kind of like having coffee with a best friend. Like we have coffee with a best friend and hours fly by. And we don't second guess ourselves. We don't like try to predict what we're supposed to say. We just let it flow. Genius spills out of us. It's super easy. It's super intuitive. I want business to feel like that. I want relationships to feel like that. I want podcast (laughs) episodes to feel like that, right? Like I just want to figure out like, what is that thing I do? What are the conditions that get me there? And how can I just be myself? And the way I think about it a lot of times too, and I know you're such a branding expert that we're going to have a fun conversation around this is it's kind of like when I buy a birthday gift for a friend. Because I don't call that friend up, I'm like, hey, I'm thinking of buying you this, would you like it? No, I wanna surprise them. So I'm going to be like, oh, they wouldn't like that, that's fugly, they would hate that, or like that, that would they like, or this over here they would like. Because I have some general sense of who they are. I can extrapolate a little bit, right? I have a sense of their essence or what they're sensitive to. So they are really sensitive to bright colors, they're going to hate that. Or they're really sensitive to this over here, they're going to love that. And that's all we're talking about here, right? Is that essence, or sometimes we think about is that brand. How do we kind of describe that ineffable thing, that thing we can all feel or we just know with our best friends? And what I want to do is help people to give language to that and actually their own language. So as you know, Kristen, you've done my work. Not only is it going to be describing the feelings you feel, but in your own words, because I have no idea what vulnerable or free or wild or sensational means to you, but I what you do. And that's the whole point is we use language all the time. How can we go through this process and describe our own experiences in our own language so that we always know why we're feeling what we are? Yeah, and I was in a group um, who was doing this mapping. You work one-on-one with people. You also do groups, and I was in a group. And I remember people would come up with these words. And I'm like, I would never think of that word. Even you, you use the word zany a lot. And I'm like, I've never used that word in my entire life. But it describes you so well, (laughs) you know? So that's so cool. 
It's such an interesting thing because I think a lot of times people will compare this work to desire work. And I've got a lot of thoughts about that. But, you know, <laughs> desires are two things. They're fleeting and they're conditioned. So, you know, right now I desire to talk to you. In an hour, I might desire to eat some food. Um, my desires change all the time. And that's great because desires are not needs themselves. They're actually strategies to get needs met. So mm -hmm. I can only desire what I can conceptualize. Like I'm like, oh, I want to feel vulnerable. Here's all the ways I've learned in the world to feel vulnerable. And so my desires are pretty conditioned and they're pretty fleeting. But what's deeper than that is this work. Like I would never ever pick zany just for the heck of it. Who would right. want that? Or vulnerable. <laughs> Nobody wants to feel vulnerable all the time. But right. what, you know, what this work does is it asks us to look at all these moments in our life. And I do it in a little bit sneaky way, as I know you know, mm -hmm. so that what we're doing is we're just kind of exploring and writing down and feeling things. And then what I do, especially one-on-one, -on -one, is I'm going to have you, I'll give you three visualizations. And the reason I use visualizations is I want you to feel things in your body. Most of us are conditioned to say words that don't match what we actually feel, right? We just have yeah, these Or we think are cool or we yes, should say. <laughs> we should say, we should want that. Oh my gosh, don't even get me started on, um, <clears throat> excuse me, values work. People always like, oh, it's like values work. And I was like, yeah, but here's the problem with values work. Who the heck doesn't say that they value being courageous or being, you know, honest? Like everybody right. says that. But is that the thing you subconsciously do every time you're successful? And so when I do these visualizations, what I'm doing is getting people to feel their bodies. And I, in a one-on-one -on -one session, just spit the words they've said back to them. And I see if it matches what they're currently feeling. And so we end up with about 100 words and they will swear to me this is everything that they've ever felt or wanted to feel. And then we start basically mapping. We figure out, okay, if you felt liberated, would you feel free? If you felt this, would you feel that? Until we get to five or six words that capture everything. If they felt those five or six, they would feel everything else that they mentioned. Yeah, you're essentially giving people permission to dive into who they actually are and to be cool with that and only be cool with that, but use that to their advantage, which a lot of us don't. <laughs> well, yeah. And you know, I think one of my favorite uses, like we're, we're here talking about branding. So I love using this work for branding because it's so helpful to get back into what's authentic, what's me and where am I successful? But I also love it because it tells us if we're feeling some kind of way or something's going wrong, why? And that's my favorite way to use this work. And I'm going to give you a relationship example that's not business, but I promise I'll that's give you some fine. business ones. <laughs> but I love um, using this with my husband. Because let's say, common scenario for I think many couples here, I'm telling my husband a personal story and he is scrolling his phone. And right, this is the start of many, many fights for many of us, right? Because oh, yeah. Put I'm your phone down. Or yes, I would say, exactly. look at me. <laughs> yes. Right, right. I want the on contact. Look at me. So I'm going to say, you, you always do this. You're always on your phone. You never you know, listen to me, blah, blah, blah. Right. That's my usual strategy. <laughs> Again, this is why you know, these are just strategies, desires are strategies. But if I have the wherewithal to pause for two seconds and say to myself, Mike, what is being triggered here? Aligned, zany free, ding, 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 vulnerable. It's vulnerable that's being triggered. And I just say to him, Garrett, I feel really vulnerable right now because I'm telling you a personal story. I don't feel like I'm getting the attention that I need, so I feel overexposed and I'm too vulnerable. Now, if you need to scroll your phone, that is fine, but I'm not going to keep telling my story because I don't want to feel vulnerable right, right now. And right. so when you have the time and space, come talk to me and we can have this so I don't feel bad. And it changes the fight because now we're not fighting with the phone. It was never actually about the phone. It was about <laughs> what I was feeling. And I think that's so helpful, especially for us business owners who just, we have so many things going on and so much freaking conditioning, right? I mean, like you scroll Instagram for one day and you are just told Oof. every which way what you're supposed to be doing. And it's whiplash. You're just back and forth. And so to get back in tune with who we are and what we do, what feels like us I know it seems funny that we need this conscious way to do so, but we forget and we get confused and lost in this world. And we just remember, what do we do with our best clients? What do we do when things really work out? Oh yeah, you know, I'll tell you right now, this podcast interview, I got no plan, but what I do know <laughs> is I've got to be zany and free and vulnerable and unmistakable and successful and aligned. And if I can do that, even with my hardest clients, even if I don't know the answers, if I can make them feel those things, 
I guarantee it will be a successful situation because that's why they're coming to me. That's the only thing I can do is make them feel what nobody else can make them feel. Right. I want to know so much more about how you got into this work. But before we do that, I want to make sure we talk about the branding part because <laughs> it is a branding yes. podcast. Um, yes. And I like forget that sometimes that's kind of like the focus of it. But I want to talk about the concept like the name like mapping sensitivities itself and then I also as a second part to that want to know more about the visuals and what you're focusing on when you're creating your visuals for social media for your website all that stuff so so many things this is a <laughs> you know. conversation so you know it's an evolution the language I use you know we can get to the kind of origin story later but the long story short is that I come from a public relations, you know, branding, thought leadership background. And I was helping doing these branding sessions for some spiritual entrepreneurs for free. We'll get to that story later. Oh boy. <laughs> and it was, um, you know, I ended up, I was about to leave and go back to public relations. Things were not working out well for me. And so I did these free sessions and one of the people told their friends about it and she wanted to hire me. And I thought, well, I'm going to pause and take money if it's coming yeah, in why not? before I go. That's right. <laughs> so I said, these are branding sessions, but you're telling me I explained your life purpose to you. I guess I'll call it sacred branding. It's sacred, right? And so that's a trademark term. I did trademark that years and years ago. And I've been talking about this work a lot from the branding lens of things, especially when I was helping people with more personal issues. People weren't really getting it or connecting. Mm -hmm. Like, well, branding, wait a minute. That's such like, a broad word. About, it's a broad, right. It's just very rote, cliche term. And so I started really sitting with, and I've been doing this work now for over eight years. So there's been an evolution how I talked about it. I realized, well, people understand when I tell them this is what you're sensitive to, and this is why you feel what you're doing. And so I started using the term mapping sensitivities, and people, even though at first they didn't get it, they were intrigued. And then when right. I explained it, they're like, oh, that's intuitive. Like, that's literally what that's I'm most sensitive to in you're... the world. Exactly. I'm mapping <laughs> what I'm most sensitive to. That makes sense to me. So, you know, it was a lot of, quite frankly, trial and error to get to that term. And I still use sacred branding as the session and the kind of overarching system that's still trademarked. One day I'll get my act together and trademark mapping sensitivities. <laughs> so if you're listening, do not beat me to it, please. <laughs> um, but, you know... Uh, I think that really it's just about how do I make this work accessible to people. And I right. think that aligned sensitivity to me, I always want things to feel intuitive for people and to just feel like, oh, I align with that really quickly. That makes sense. Yeah. And just as you were saying, people might not understand exactly what it is right away, but like you said, it's interesting. They're intrigued. They want to learn more. And then when they just read like a little bit more or have one conversation with you, you're like, oh, that's exactly what we're doing. I get it. Like, it seems like it's a broad, like fancy term, but it's really quite literal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why I really, really love that term. And yes, it's also sacred branding. So it's that too. But, you know, as I move more and more to helping people with a variety of areas of their life, I love this idea of sensitivities. And that's been so helpful for me. Um, and you asked about um, design, and that is a yeah, especially with social media. Well, you so have such a distinct look on social media. I always know when your <laughs> posts are coming up. Like I always know, it's like the blue and the yellow, or the gold, whatever. Like, I love I it. Know. Well, yes. So, so uh, you know, it's it's interesting journey for me because I have a unique story where I wasn't on social media for a long period of time. So long. That's fascinating to me yes and i'm like strangely a bad millennial you know i've never used a dating app i uh it's a um, lot of i don't have snapchat i've never had that so like, there's a lot of part i i only recently started using emojis i'll tell you um because of instagram <laughs> you know i still if you get an email from me it's got the semicolon parenthesis for like a wink <laughs> like i'm not with the times. So, you know, I had a very public experience where I didn't want to be on social media because of it. And so I wasn't on there, but I was doing this work behind the scenes, you know, just through referrals for years. And I worked with um, a business partner, I guess, a COO sort of, who was a web designer and she's absolutely brilliant. And so, you know, it was an evolution even in our design, but um, we do, if you go to my website, there's this kind of white, black, and gold imagery um, that is very clean and crisp and simple. And one thing we uh, thought about with our current website is how do we react to the space without centering it? How do we center ourselves? So I think so often, you know, I see a lot of... Um, 
you know, this kind of stock photography of like pointing oh. over there, pointing up there. You know what I mean? Like, yes. and I was kind of like, that's not me for sure. Right. You know, I'm vulnerable. But also, I want to play with this aligned of how do I make something not complicated, so simple, but deep? How do I add layers of depth to design? And so one thing that um, if you scroll my website, you can see this. At the very high level of my work, we work with something called composite energies. It's fancy way to say it's basically just spiritual concepts of understanding um, sensitivities of the why it's kind of the how so it's mm -hmm. how does this work we put those together we can form a sentence and so you'll see these kind of circles in different shapes and it's hidden behind the graphics but if you look you can see it and so again this idea of how do we create depth in design with simplicity to show that my work is incredibly simple right now I'm talking about the very base level of my work on the podcast it's exactly what sounds mapping sensitivities, but simple doesn't mean superficial. And totally. so how do we add in that layer of depth with the simple? And then I got an Instagram and for the first two months of me being on Instagram, all of my images, and you didn't know me back then, so you probably don't know this, were <laughs> okay. um, black and white. And I was always mm -hmm. playing with black, black and white and then pops of this black and um, gold. And what I realized from getting feedback from people on Instagram is the zany wasn't there. And this is a very zany platform. Oh, and yeah. people were like, we want color. We want life. You don't seem approachable. You just seem like really intense. And right. I was like, okay, so how do I bring that in? And so I, quite frankly, uh, without the designer, we had kind of hard ways at this point. And I just said, like, let me just pick this, like, fun yellowish color. And so I picked that. I picked a blue. I think I went to, like, hex complementary colors and found a blue <laughs> that matched it. And um, started to work with that and play with it. And uh, for anyone who goes and follows me on Instagram, I talk about sexuality quite a bit. Um, I, uh, just as a kind of joke, when I got boudoir photos one time, I wore... Um, pleather pants from a Zoolander costume yep. <laughs> and Garrett's black suspenders as this like kind of like joke of playing with this dominant energy. And so I don't even remember how it originally happened, but I posted myself in a reel trying to play with the zany energy because I'm always exploring how do I communicate that brand in different mediums, right? And so my website has a different feel to it. And I'm also talking a lot more about sexuality on Instagram because I've learned the algorithm doesn't love when you change audiences too often. So, uh, so okay, nope. I'm going to stick to that. one. Yes, I'm going <laughs> to stick to one audience here. My business isn't just what I do on Instagram, but this is an audience that can really benefit from my work and they don't always intuitively understand it in this context. So let me help them grow. Mm -hmm. So my website kind of is a little bit of a different color scheme and branding. But, and, and when I say branding here, I mean specifically colors and expression. The, the visual branding. Feel, the visual. <laughs> yes. Hopefully the feel still feels there. But, you know, Instagram calls out a lot of that zaniness. And what I've had to learn from my work um, about these sensitivities is that we're going to find different platforms, different containers call forth different parts of that brand. And that's totally fine. This podcast is going to bring out totally different things than a podcast talking about my relationship. And that's great. Totally. I can still bring all parts of me. It just is going to show up a little bit differently. And so I thought, okay, bright, fun, yellow and leather pants. And like, this is the image I have there. And what I love and the greatest compliment I've ever received is when I talk to someone in person and they say, oh, I didn't know what it was going to be like to talk to you, but yeah, you kind of feel like that. Like, obviously not as exaggerated, but like <laughs> this is zaniness to you. I feel in your social media and I feel here. And I think for me, that's the most important part of branding is I want someone to walk into my home and say, this feels like you. I want someone to look at my relationship and say, this feels like you. I want someone to look at my business, including how I interact with clients, how I market, every aspect. Because as we all know here, branding isn't just the visual component. It's every aspect. It's the essence of who you are. How can I communicate that? So somebody one day can say, I'm buying Mike a birthday gift. I know exactly what he wants because they know my essence. Right. And I think that's so important for people to hear because so many people are, when they come to me and they're like, I want cool Canva templates. I want them to look like this person's. I want it to be like this, blah, blah, blah. And it's all based on what they see and what they think is cool and what they think people want, or they see thousands of people have liked this post. And I'm like, it's not because of the post. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. It's because of their essence and who they are and, you know, their history. And it's just, it's the connection between them. It's not about the post. Like you have to find a look and feel a color scheme fonts, 
a voice, like all these things that work for you and not what you think is hip or cool or what people want to see in that moment. Because every time I've done that in the past and like I've been doing this for a while, but I still run into these issues where I'll I'll do a trend and I'm like, that wasn't really me. (laughs) (laughs) But every time I do that, it feels weird. And I also don't get a ton of interaction because people are probably like, what the heck? Totally. You know, and I think we already do this with our clothing, right? Like we want to dress in a way that expresses ourselves. And this is why I mentioned before that I have challenges with desires because desires can be so conditioned, right? Like again, right here, the color scheme, it's conditioned. I see everybody on Instagram doing this. So therefore my website needs to look this way. Or, you know, even with clothing, we can do that with ourselves. You know, this is the new trend. This is the whatever rather than it's an expression of me. And we just feel so good when, you know, I've got this red leather jacket. You may have seen it. I've been in it in social media sometimes. And it is, um, I actually have a story about this jacket because I was in Florence in Italy and my husband, Garrett, one of his students is a big leather aficionado. And she said, you've got to go to this one company. You know, this is like the place to get leather in Italy. It was in Florence. And so we walked in. I was not planning on buying a leather jacket. You know, it's also very expensive. So <laughs> right. that was not the intention of mine. And um, I walked in and I saw this red leather jacket. And it had these really big, bulky zippers. And I thought, that's not me. I'm not big. I'm not bulky zippers. Now, mind you, unmistakable is one of my sensitivities. So maybe I am. But in my mind, <laughs> I thought, that's not me at all. I'm very sleek and clean because that's the aligned, right? And so I, and this is fun. This is what I love about sensitivities is how to play with these paradoxes in design. I'm sure that you love all of this. So I am there and and, and the other people walk into the store and just instinctively, I grab the leather jacket. I just grab it. And the sales clerk said, well, now you have to try this on, right? You grab the jacket, something about this jacket. So I try it on and it fits like a glove and everybody says that looks custom. And I said, no, I'm not going to spend this kind of money. I don't want this jacket. Well, my husband said, this is your birthday and Christmas and maybe another birthday, but I'm getting you this jacket. You have to have this jacket. So I buy this jacket. I get it. And I'm in meditation about two months later. And um, it was a, a client was trying out this new um, meditation to help people uh, get clarity in business. So she tried it out on me. I was doing it. And in the middle of the meditation, my grandmother walks in. And my grandmother has since passed and or has had passed to the point. And she said, you know why you have that leather jacket, right? And so in this meditation, I'm like, well, why do I have, why are you here? And why do I have this leather jacket? <laughs> a lot and of questions. A lot of questions here. And she said, well, don't you remember, and this may just be my subconscious coming up, but she said, don't you remember right before I died, I went to Florence and I got a red leather jacket and people oh always remembered that. And I had no conscious memory. Like I forgot about this jacket. The jacket's been gone for over a decade. I did not remember the jacket. Oh my God. And I said, oh my God, this jacket is me. And it captures me. And I think, you know, when we talk about design, that's what I want my design to do. I want to remind me who I am and communicate that to the world. My God, that's so powerful. Our brains are so fascinating. Right? <laughs> like the things that like I dream about and the things that just will like randomly pop into my mind. I'm like, I got to listen to that. I don't know what it's saying, but I'm going to write that down because I feel like it has meaning. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It must be the same thing during meditation, which I do not do. Um, probably should. Probably should try it because I have anxiety and I feel like that <laughs> would be really helpful for me, but also kind of enlightening in a way. Sure. And I think, you know, one thing I'm always a big fan of because I'm sensitivities first on everything is uh, I don't remember all of your sensitivities, so consult those. But, you know, also, <laughs> you know, I think we have all these conditioned strategies like, oh, I've got to meditate. And I always say to people like, okay, um, let me give you an example. I, for a long, long, long time, could not get myself to exercise in the morning. I really Mm. wanted to. This is something I wanted so badly. I just couldn't do it. And so I remember saying to myself, like, okay, everyone says, you know, you got to go to the gym, we do a tape, or none of this stuff was working for me. My husband was doing P90X. Oh my God, someone (laughs) yelling at me like every two seconds. It it does not Not my thing. (laughs) Not my thing. I am too sensitive to that. So I said, okay, pause, Mike. What is free? Well, it's got to be something that I can do anywhere in any of my free time and it can't cost me any money. Mm-hmm. What is aligned? It's got to align my spine, literally align my body. What is vulnerable? Well, I want to work on my core. And very quickly, I was like, I want to start doing planks and I want to start doing push ups. And, and 
a routine kind of evolved itself. And I said, and my routine, it's gotta be aligned. So not only is it aligning my spine, but I'm gonna take five minutes in between each exercise and sit with what I feel afterwards, because that feels good to me. Not someone yelling at me every five seconds, but, <laughs> and that was so helpful to me to realize I'm just, I'm not just limited by what I see on social media. That's why I say desires are conditioned. I can start with what works for me and then figure Good. out what works. So I share that with you because maybe walking meditation is going to work better for you. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking as you're saying this, I'm like, I think hiking is my meditation. Yes. <laughs> and that's the thing is we all shame ourselves because like, well, I should be meditating, but you might already be doing something that's really yeah. helpful. It's starting with who are we and what expresses that. We just did like a little session right there. <laughs> I just a it. natural mini session. Oh my God. So <laughs> on this note, what got you into doing this work specifically? I know that you mentioned you were in PR, but what was the transition like into yeah, this? I guess? It was an a transition. So let's get into this story. <laughs> so um, I, I, I worked in public relations. I was actually pretty fortunate early in my life. So I um, went to Northeastern University, for those of you who know it some mm -hmm. local people might, um, I did the co-op. So we would leave school for six months and work full time. And um, when I was 20 years old, I had my first one and I was basically doing glorified IT, quite frankly, but like it was not public relations, even though that was my major. Um, but I was at a really big global PR firm. And what we were doing is they created this proprietary technology to um, organize international campaigns. So I was doing global project management on really cool stuff oh, wow. like George Clooney's campaign. I mean, he was publicist. I knew like all these amazing people oh from big campaigns all over the world, but I was basically doing the IT part of it. Right. But I knew all these great people. And so we submitted an award. I was only 20. We submitted an award for this program and I got to be like on this award and everything, oh you know, God. being this co-op. And so, so cool. because of this, um, a company in San Francisco wanted to interview someone and they only wanted like one candidate. They were like, we're not interviewing all the time, give us the right person. And so my advisor put me up for it because it well, seemed really impressive, even yeah. though I didn't do very much. And so I, they flew me out there and I worked for six months in San Francisco in healthcare, which I knew nothing about. Oh, wow. And now you have to remember, this is 2009, Obama had just signed ARA and within that was um, $40 billion were allocated to make health technology an industry basically there was to uh, roll out electronic health records now nobody else is making 12 dollars 12 dollars an hour young and cheap enough to learn this but me so very quickly i learned something that very few people in the country knew at the time quite as well for public relations and i six months later i'm on the phone with the white house and you know with all these people because i you know i was just young and cheap enough to learn it and so when my ceo said um, or sorry, not CEO, our vice president, our senior vice president in San Francisco, I had moved back to Boston and he said, I'm starting my own company. I want you to be a partner of it. And so I'm 22 years old of course, and I'm wow. now like, I got to graduate early because I'm about to own a company. And so it was a really oh. surreal experience for me. Um, and I specialized in healthcare reform, you know, public policy and, um, health technology. And I, I was a partner of this company. Um, and then one day I was 24 years old and I woke up and I was vomiting blood and that was obviously really scary. You know, I'll tell you at the time, yep. my lifestyle, I was drinking a lot, six nights a week. I was, you know, working really hard, crazy hours. Work hard, play was, hard. That's right. It was not a sustainable <laughs> lifestyle. And I was vomiting blood every day for about two months. It got so bad that I actually had an accident. I shit my pants at work, um, which was the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. That's a nightmare. It was a nightmare, <laughs> literal nightmare. Um, and I just at that point said, Mike, like I was going in for a radioactive MRI and all this testing. And I said, Mike, I've got to be healed by that. Like I really I had three weeks. I was like, I'm going to do everything. It's my full time job to get better. And so, of course, I changed my diet every day, literally every day. I was at acupuncture, Reiki, reflexology, oh like God. you name it. I threw everything at this thing. Um, I was being trained in Reiki. I was just doing anything I could to get better. And while this was going on, you know, I got so sick that during these two, this two-month period, I couldn't leave the house because I was having accidents. I was vomiting blood. Um, I had two roommates at the time. One of them was a guy I knew from college, and the other was one of my older sister's friends who just moved to the city. So it was just kind of people who needed a place to live. None mm -hmm. of us were that close. Um, my, my sister's friend, she had a boyfriend, and so she was at the place less than half the week. 
And my, this guy, Garrett, I knew was home. <laughs> this so guy, just, Garrett. <laughs> that's right. Just by default, he became my caretaker, de facto caretaker. He would, you know, drive me to appointments at first. He was in pharmacy residency, so he knew the medical system. He would, you know, uh, you know, cook dinner when I couldn't get off the couch. And about a few months into this, I realized I was developing feelings for him. And for me, it was unique at the time because I had never been with a man into my conscious knowledge, never been interested in a man. And so I'm sitting there and, you know, to get into the mindset of this, you have to remember, I'm pretty afraid I'm going to die. So there's this part of me that's like, is this just like a human within proximity and I'm afraid I'm going to die? You know, like I didn't know what was going on here. And so I probably would have brushed this under the rug or thought nothing of it, but because I was afraid I was going to die and because I was doing all these radical therapies, um, I did this crazy thing where I wrote handwritten letters to every member of my family saying everything I've never said out loud. Because I was like, I just got to like share everything. Like if, if it's coming up, I can't stuff things back down if blood's coming up. And so I was doing that and I thought, you know what? I just got to say something to Garrett. I'm just going to say it. Like, I don't know if he's going to want to punch me in the face right, or like, not, whatever. Why not at this point? At Let's this do point, it. why do I have to lose? Yes. So I, you know, eventually kind of got the nerve. And of course, everything I'm saying here is pretty abridged. You know, this was a much longer process. Everything seems right. glamorous in retrospect. But I said to him, you know, Garrett, I don't know how you're going to take this. I don't even know what this feels like. It doesn't feel sexual or even romantic, but like, I feel something here. This doesn't just feel like a friendship to me. I don't know how to think right. about there's, that. There's love. There's something. There's something. Yeah. And he, you know, I'm so grateful. Garrett is probably the most thoughtful person in the world. So we kind of said like, okay, I don't know how to react, but let me think about that. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, over the course of weeks and emails back and forth and kind of sitting with things, we decide to explore a relationship that wasn't physical at first. Um, we It was a quote unquote open relationship, which I realize now people are like, I guess you were just dating because you just happened to right. live together. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's what it was. But like <laughs> we lived together. So it was strange. But yeah, we were you know, exploring a relationship. We still dated women as well as we were exploring one. Um, and we did this for over the course of two years, oh, um, wow. exploring that if this is something that we want to pursue. And um, during that time, you know, vomiting blood, probably not sustainable to stay in my job. I left my job, but I did something that I never, ever, ever recommend anyone listening do, which is I gave a year's notice at work. Oh my and, God. Yes. <laughs> well, the reason here is right. I was an owner of this company. I wanted to make sure they were in a good place. Uh, yeah, that's okay. true. You were an but, owner. But you know, it was, it was a tough year. Let me just say that. And I was figuring out my next move. So I was going to herbalism school, nutrition school, you know, learning all these spiritual modalities, coaching. Like I was doing like five schools at once. I was working full time. I was navigating my first same sex relationship. (laughs) I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown daily (laughs) at this time. Yeah. Wow. And so as it kind of just coincided that Garrett and I moved into a place, just the two of us, as I was leaving my job, as we were ready to tell our family. So it was kind of all happening at the same time. Hey guys. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we told our families, um, most people were good about it. I won't name names. Everyone got there eventually, so whatever. <laughs> and I was kind of on my own now and I was out of my job and I thought, well, I'm going to be like the herbalist health coach to Boston's tech entrepreneurs because I know all these people, they all get, could be getting sick like I am. Let me help them. Totally. And honestly, I honor everyone who does that work. I'm still an herbalist. I still love it. It's not for me full time. It just was not my passion. And I thought, crap, I just left my job and all this money. What am I going to do now? So I thought, well, I have experiences. You know, I was successful at a young age. It wasn't what I was cracked up to be. Let me write about kind of the fallacies of success. And so I started a blog and it got decently popular. And one day I got an email that I never thought I would get from a book publisher that said, um, can I publish a book? Would you write a book? And I was like, what? You're just giving me a book deal over email. Like very <laughs> Is surreal. Is this how experience. it happens? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Right. You know, I know many of us wish it would happen that way. Right. And so I was like, yeah, I'll write a book if you're going to give me money. Sure. So, um, I got a book deal and I wrote, um, this book in 2014, this was, and, uh, my publisher, who is queer herself, really encouraged me to bring my relationship into it because she said, this is an important part of your story. Totally. And I put in there, sent in the manuscript, and then I thought, oh, crap. Like, I have to tell people in my life before they find out on the shelves of Barnes & Noble. Right. I mean, my family knows, my close friends know, but, you know, people will be offended if they don't know about this relationship. 
And so I thought, I'm a writer. Let me do the thing that makes the most sense to me. I'll write about it. I'll just write a blog post. I've got this blog. Everyone can talk behind my back and process their emotions. And then <laughs> I can, easy. Right. And then they can come to me after they process. I don't have to deal with yeah. all that junk. Like this seems like the best case scenario. Totally. And so I write a blog post and I was writing for a national, a few national publications at the time. One of them ended up picking up this blog post. I woke up the next morning and 100,000 people had shared it. And Hello. so, yeah. So I wake up to millions of people talking about my sex life. I can't quite describe what that's like. Um, I had phone calls from NPR, Huffington Post. It was a really surreal moment. There's actually a musical coming out next month about yes. us, which is super interesting, a whole nother topic. But um, so I promise you, this is still the topic of how I got to where I am, I promise you. <laughs> so I am now like, like frozen. I'm a deer in headlights. You know, people are coming at me from every side, some supportive, some really negative. And I have this book deal. Millions of people are talking about me, but I am making zero dollars. I have no idea what I want to do when I grow up. So like I'm <laughs> very, very confused here. And so I get obsessed with this idea of life purpose. Because I'm like, what is my purpose? Like, I've had random experiences. And, you know, I read every life purpose book. I've been on all the webinars. You know, you do enough of this stuff, you hear the same things. It's yep. figure out your passions, figure out your skills, figure out what the world needs, find that middle point. I thought, okay, okay, I can do this. Why do these things have in common? You know, same-sex relationship, vomiting blood, public relations, branding, writing, book deal, <laughs> health coaching, herbalism. You know, what do these things have in common? And I sit with this for a while and I think, oh, oh my God, it's so obvious. How did I miss this? I meant to create a blogging course. And this blogging course is going to be helping people get book deals, sure. But it's going to be deep and spiritual. It's going to be about finding your voice, knowing your brand, knowing who you are. Like this is what makes sense. You know, unpacking your identity. And so I know this. But it's the end of a year. I've got no money left. You know, my money from PR is running <laughs> out now. And But I, I know my purpose. So I've got to go for it. So I've got the fancy lighting kit, the microphone, the business partner, you know, I got a web designer, I've got, you name it. I threw so much money at this, Facebook ads. I put this out to the world. I am sure this thing is gonna take off. Oh, so sure. And five people bought it. It was a colossal I, failure. I lost thousands. I know many of us oh, know this story, right? I've been there, I've been thousands there. Thousands and thousands I lost. And I just thought, I'm done. I am so freaking done. You know, I spent this year going for it, you know, really bearing my soul to the world. I've talked about my personal life. I've gotten this book deal. I've done all these things. And the world just clearly doesn't want what I have to offer. And I'm going to go back to public relations with my tail between my legs no. and beg them to take me back at my own company because I don't even know if I have a job right now. And it was, you know, uh, we can joke about now, but it was really humiliating, devastating at the time. Of and so I... I did something that changed my life, only I didn't know it. It was really just dumb luck. I feel like and that's how we know, we know my sensitivities. We, we can analyze why this worked so well, but I didn't know them at the time. <laughs> and so I decided to host a failure celebration. And oh the, thinking, you know, the <laughs> thinking there, it wasn't as enlightened as it sounds. It was really kind of like, yeah, I'm a failure, but at least I did something to fail. At least I took a risk, right? That implies yes. a risk. So I, did, I want to like not let this year be a waste of my life. Now, of course, we know successful is one of my sensitivities and flipping things into successful is always going to work for me, but I didn't know that at the time. So my idea for this failure celebration is going to have this party in a Facebook group I was a part of. Um, it was a spiritual Facebook group with, you know, therapists, life coaches, artists, you know, people oh, in that vein. group. And what a group. Yeah. Amazing, amazing people. And I... Um, you know, said, I'll offer the one thing I'm still confident in, which is branding sessions. These branding sessions, I used to map people's brands all the time and public relations and give them key messaging points, help boil down everything they do so they can, you know, give an interview or write a press release with it. And so I offered these nine hours straight. I kid you not, I had to stop sessions to pee, but I was like, I am just oh giving God. it all away because tomorrow I am leaving. This is my goodbye. So I do this and I'm used to working with, you know, healthcare politicians or tech CEOs. Right. And these people, you know, because they're, you know, a lot more uh, in tune with this kind of stuff, I do these sessions with them all about their business. And most of them said some variation to me of, Mike, this isn't branding. You just explain my life purpose. Like this helps me with my relationship. And I'm sitting there like, why? why? I don't even know what the heck you're talking about here. Like, this is clearly your brand. You know, we're talking about your business here. And they said, yeah, but what you're not getting is I see my business as an extension of my life purpose. Like, this has explained everything to me. And I said, okay, let me sit with this. I don't know what's going on here, but okay. 
And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I got an email from uh, a friend of one of the women I worked with that day who said, Mike, I want to hire you for this thing. What do you call it? And I was like, it's not a thing, but if you're going to pay me, it's going to become a thing. So sure. So I said, well, it's branding, but you tell me it's life purpose. I'll call it sacred branding, slap that name on. And I had my first session and I made a rule for myself that as long as I had a week where I was getting sessions, I wouldn't go back to public relations because if I was still making money doing this, you know, I could do this. And that was over eight years ago. So, you know, it blossomed and changed and evolved in so many ways and originally started quite frankly as business branding but has evolved into really my understanding of the unique way each of us perceives the world and how we can understand our own kind of hidden superpowers i love that you like the last thing you said was as long as there's a week as long as there's not a week where i'm not making money or however you said it like i'll continue doing this that's the same advice I give to anyone who wants to try going off on their own or do freelancing. Because when I first started, I was like, I'm going to give myself six months. And after six months, if it's not working out, if I'm not making money, like if I reflect and it's not working out, then I will go back because Mm -hmm. we can always go back. Like our worst case scenario, like obviously you, something was going on with you or your worst case scenario was making you ill. (laughs) But in theory, you could have probably gone back to PR and done it less and like figured it out. Right. So Mm -hmm. our worst case scenario is often what we're already doing. So why not try something new? And I've just been doing that ever since I've been like, all right, another six months, another six months, another six months. And it kind of takes the pressure off too a little bit. I love that because, you know, I think there's this weird concept. I come from the world of, you know, a lot of tech companies, so I'm very used to venture capital. And it's interesting to me that we as a culture, a world, see getting seed money, venture capital money, as a sign of validation, but we have to give up equity. But we don't see taking part-time jobs or adding things where we're not giving up any equity at all as legitimate. Like so many people are like, oh, I'm not legitimate. I was like, really? Because it sounds really invested in your business. (laughs) And here's the thing, like if this is really something you want to do, go back. I want you to pay your bills first and foremost. So go back and do this on the side or do this at night or do whatever it is. It's okay to, you get to decide if you're in or not and nobody gets to tell you what that looks like. And you fund it any way that feels good for you. And yeah, it absolutely sucks sometimes. You know, we left the corporate world for a reason maybe, but being stressed and burnt out here isn't any better. So, you know, pausing and sitting with, you know, I know for entrepreneurs, we need, you know, it's time for reckoning on mental health and open conversations about mental health. And we need to talk about because there is isolation and loneliness and stress and scarcity and all this stuff going on. And I always say to people, just like hiking is your meditation, I don't care at all what form if it works for you the only rules i have it makes you happy it works for you it's sustainable right that's it i couldn't care less what you're doing and i think we need to stop judging ourselves for taking a part-time job or for doing this on the side or whatever model works for us yes i always tell people no one cares as much as you and that sounds kind of like no one cares about you but that's not what i mean i just mean that you're putting your feelings on what everyone else is feeling when in reality, they're going to take a look at what you're saying, in your Instagram post, maybe make a comment and then scroll on by. Like it doesn't affect them. Like it's literally just you. So you need to make your decisions based on you and what you need and what you want. You know, one thing I'm always so impressed with is I am convinced that my work is like hard to understand or on Instagram, people think I'm just talking about, you know, sexuality and that's, you know, I'm a gay coach on there. And what's always interesting to me is that anytime I have a conversation with someone, they're like, oh, I totally get your work. And I think it's really clever that you've got, you know, this market on Instagram, but I've seen your website, you do this. like, wait, really? You got all of that? Like I'm so, and I think the truth is a few things here. One is we are all so much more critical on ourselves than anyone else will ever be on us. And two is I don't think we're that as hidden or mysterious as we think we are. Like I think (laughs) actually people can get a really strong sense of who we are and all the stuff that we think we're trying to hide from the world, people already know it anyway. They've already figured out. If if you've got it, I always tell clients, if you're desperate to make money and like that's why you're putting an offering out there, people are feeling it from what you're saying. It's okay to say that. That's never a problem. Like it, you have to make money to survive. That's okay. But don't 
try to cover that up and try to, you know, we're so, we're always trying to manage people's expectations of us and, mm-hmm. you know, opinions of us and myself too. I do this all the time. Everyone right? does. Everyone. And, you know, recognizing like, A, no one's paying that much attention because they're stuck in their own stuff. Okay. And B, like, we're not that good at hiding anyway. So just show <laughs> up and be yourself in whatever way you feel safe and comfortable to do. I've never heard that take before that you can't hide it, <laughs> but it's so true. We're like, not good at hiding we're humans. it. humans. <laughs> Yes, we're humans and we're being ourselves and we want people to feel our essence. You know, I always say, and I think I said this in your group, what I want people to feel is, let's say they know my work from a different context, like a podcast like this. They go to my Instagram, they see it, they're like, whoa, I didn't expect that, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is because I, I wrote this just yesterday, you know, what is zanier and freer and more vulnerable than shame-free sexuality? Yeah, that makes total sense. Just like I want to take all the shame for business owners and make them show up as their vulnerable, natural self and align with themselves. It's the same thing in different contexts. And when we understand all we're doing from our relationships to our jobs is just pouring water from one cup to the next. Different cups, same water. Yes, and if we're not authentic in every aspect of our life and our business, then people are going to question working with us. Totally, and we're going to be unhappy. Yeah, I don't want to work a job (laughs) Like this interview here, hopefully people can feel it. And I try to really emphasize it and pull the curtain back is I'm just having coffee with a best friend. And this is what I want work to feel like. And I want posting on Instagram and I want, you know, anything in my life to feel like hanging out with my husband is just me showing up and being me because you never have to try to be yourself. If you're trying, it means you're being somebody else. I don't want a life where I'm constantly trying and struggling and pushing. I want a life where I'm feel good enough and I can just show up and be me and I know what my superpowers are. I know what I do differently than anyone. So if someone doesn't like me, that's fine. That's your prerogative. But that says nothing about me. That's you and your sensitivities and ours just don't match. And that's okay. I'm going to go find the people who like me just being me. Absolutely. Oh my God. We just got so deep and I want to take us a little bit more surface level <laughs> yeah. with, the, with the funny <laughs> questions, the weird Please. questions. Um, if you were a car, what would you be? And I don't know. Do you drive? I don't even know. I don't drive. drive. So yeah, that's like the thing. I, I actually, got an inkling that you didn't drive. <laughs> I don't. Reason. I have not owned a car since I was 18 years old. I've Amazing. lived in the city since then. Um, but if I were a car, I think I would be um, maybe like, what about like a hybrid Audi? Like something like Ooh. a little bit classy, but like still, you know, I think trying to be environmentally conscious and mm-hmm. kind of. This idea of hybrid, I think I would love to go full electric, but I feel like my personality is probably hybrid. Interesting. Why do you think your personality is a hybrid? I agree, but I want to- I just feel like I'm like a a, a bridge between a lot of things. You know, right now I'm wearing a um, red Jasper bracelet Mm. alongside an Omega watch. So I feel like this is Uh. like hybrid kind of captures (laughs) that energy is it's a lot of, you know, that successful energy mixed with that like spiritual aligned energy. And I feel like I- kind of walk a lot of lines in the world. I totally agree. So along that same, along the same lines as that, when was the last time someone said something like, wow, that's so on brand for you or wow, that's so you. I always think of that jacket. Every yeah, so the jacket. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love that. And this painting behind me for, I don't know if we're visuals are showing, yes. I have a painting <laughs> behind me. So um, you can see that as well as the first thing I bought for this home. Um, but I don't know if this is the last time, but the time that was most poignant for me is during my housewarming party, which was seven years ago, so was not <laughs> recent. Um, someone walked into our home and said, this just feels like you guys. And it was so meaningful the for me. Best because compliment. Isn't it the best compliment <laughs> yeah. in the world? Because I just thought, yeah, I want a home that feels like me. I want clothing that feels like me. And so I really, um, yes, the leather jacket or when someone said about my home. I love that. I'm also really interested in this next answer to this question. I always ask people what they were like as a child or to talk about like a childhood memory um, or experience that they've had and whether they think that like describes them very well or if they think that they've changed along the years. I'm just I think who we are as kids tells us a lot about who we are now. For sure. I mean, that's why I love sensitivity work because I always say you are sensitive to things even since birth. And that colors your experience because you experience certain things deeper than others. Um, This won't surprise anyone probably, but (laughs) I used to 
hit glasses off the table and shatter them all the time because what? I was so exuberantly telling a story. It was. Oh, I thought very... you were going to say that you were like angry. Okay, no, I get no, that. I was just I like, that. I mean, I have to be so conscious here with my mic and my water and everything <laughs> because I think that zany and for so long I had shame about that. You know, I had a boss come up to me once and say, Mike, you're really smart. You're great at your job, but you are way too much. You need to tone it down to like way too survive much. in the corporate world. Yeah, I it's believe the worst heard thing. that one. <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, to anyone who's been told that too much, I just have to say this to you. If I had a giant pot of water and I tried to pour it into a tiny cup and it spilled all over the floor, I wouldn't shame the water for being too much. I would get a bigger pot. So when someone says oh, that yeah. to you, what they're saying is you're too much for me to handle in this container. They're telling you it's the wrong container. Go find a container that can hold you because you are perfect. And it took me a long time to get that one. And so, yes, I was this very loud, exuberant, always knocking things over kid, getting yelled at a lot of times. And I don't think I've changed that much because I'm pretty sure my husband still yells at me for breaking things when I'm being really oh excited. Oh my God. <laughs> I can definitely picture that for sure. I, I break a lot of glasses too. That's because I'm clumsy. <laughs> I'll just knock into things. Or I there was one time when I was in my Brighton apartment, uh, Brighton in Massachusetts in Boston, um, my first apartment out of college with my two roommates or my best friends. And I literally had to go out and buy my friend a brand new like set of wine glasses because I literally knocked over every single one in like a month span she was like i can't drink wine i'm like oh my god <laughs> get another glass it's amazing it's funny that that's what it makes me think of i'm definitely clumsy but i love i absolutely love your your energy and i love people who talk with their hands i talk with my hands like i i just love those people yeah me too we're the best <laughs> Okay, last question about sense of humor. So I always ask people, what is the funniest thing you've ever witnessed? But a lot of people have trouble thinking of that. So just a funny story is fun. Oh, gosh. Okay, I have a story <laughs> that I'm going to try to like keep super short here because it's super random, but for some reason it's coming up. <laughs> Do it. So I... My dad, oh, sorry, let me start this way. My sister's friend works at um, Sports Illustrated and she always gets tickets oh, to wow. a golf tournament that on the PGA Tour that's near my parents' house. And so it's always Labor Day weekend. It's Deutsche Bank in case anyone um, mm -hmm, knows mm -hmm. it. And um, I will, uh, my dad will go, but four days is a lot. So he usually gives me tickets one of the days. Yes. And so I went one year with, uh, and this was a time where I still drank alcohol. So I was a little bit younger. I um, went with some of my friends from high school I hadn't seen in a while, and we had a super fun day, and we have their VIP tickets, which actually doesn't mean mm -hmm. that much. It just means you can use the player's bathroom. Like, who cares? <laughs> but of most course. of the corporate tents don't know what that means, so you can talk your way into any of the corporate tents and get like, oh, I can free see alcohol, you doing free that. food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fun for me. So you're getting the food and drink all day. You know, it's a really fun day. And then we left there and I said, you know, this is so random, but I haven't smoked weed since I was like 16. I could do that today. Like for whatever reason, I don't Let's know why. Do it. <laughs> I just felt that. And so my friend's like, oh my God, me too, me too. So I was like, well, I don't know anyone to buy from. Like, I don't know anything. I, I'm, I'm like the most clueless person about this. So my friend's like, oh, don't worry. I've got somebody. Let's drive to this like sketchy dive bar and I'm going to get Naturally. It. So we drive to this bar and I'm like, I mean, it's like, you know, I think it might have been, it was at least decriminalized. It wasn't maybe legal, but it was decriminalized okay. in Massachusetts. So I was kind of like, it's not that shady. Like I said, why do we have right. to make a production? <laughs> so we go to this bar and my friend's like, all right, just get the money together. Cause I know this one friend of mine, she's very loud. She's going to make a scene. Sure enough, the guy comes in. She's like, the drugs are here. So like everyone at the bar is looking at us. I don't know what she's talking about. She buys this marijuana. So we go, you know, take it, leave the bar. And my friend's like, okay, let's go find a random like woods to smoke in. I was like, random I'm not woods. 16. I'm not going to smoke in the woods. Like, what are you talking? I'm not 16. And um, he's like, well, this is a company car. You can't smoke in this car. And it's like, oh my God. Like, I'm so embarrassed. Like, I, I don't live around here. You know, we have nowhere to go. This is humiliating. Oh so one of my friends said, oh, well, my parents live around here. And they just put an addition on there above the garage. We should just go over to their house at two in the morning. And his parents oh. don't know he's in town. And so I'm like, okay. Oh, so we no. park like out in the street. I feel so 16. We like <laughs> walk over, you know, go into, oh, um, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You would sneak into his like, parents' garage, above the garage, to this audition. Um, and um, we bought um, um, to blunts. We bought, um, yeah, that's what it's called, right? With tobacco. <laughs> blunts. <laughs> yeah, I don't know I don't, stuff either. I'm like, this is yeah, how clueless yeah. I am. So everyone can listen and laugh. So we bought this. And so we go to cut them open, and someone gives it to me. I said, well, I don't know how to roll it. Like I've only smoked a me few either. times and I'm always smoked up, you know, like I've never. So people, everybody is like, well, I, I don't know how I've always been smoked up. Me too. I'm like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. We're like in our mid twenties. We don't know how to like, okay. So I was like, all right, this is fine. I'm going to look it up on YouTube. So I've got my phone out. We are looking on YouTube, how to roll this. And there's not enough marijuana to roll this so i'm like well i'm not going to smoke tobacco so like that's so we have to like brush out the tobacco so it's now falling apart the blunt is falling apart around the tobacco i mean around the marijuana and so i said okay no big deal we can just light it and breathe it like incense so we put it on a plate and we're lighting this and we're all standing around wafting it in trying to breathe this in like incense no i laugh so hard that it blows onto the ground and there is a fire on the ground there are sparks on the ground so my friends are stomping this out at two no. in the morning obviously at this point my friend's parents are like what is going on you're being broken into so they come upstairs oh my god the entire place reeks it is so clear what's going on they're like you know, to my friend, I'm going to use a fake name because I'm not going to out him here. Brian, <laughs> Brian, what are you doing home? He's like, oh, mom, I was just in the area. I wanted to show my friends the edition. <laughs> At two in the morning, Is that it? <laughs> show them this edition. Okay. Somehow, and they're actually super religious. Somehow they go back downstairs. I don't know why. If <laughs> they're they too tired out, to deal with What this. was going on? Yeah, they just did not, whatever. So now, you know, we leave there and we're in, you know, my hometown. There is nowhere to go at this point, but IHOP. Nothing is open. Of course. So we go to IHOP, of course. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I got anything in. Do you feel it? I think I might feel it a little bit. As I see these 16-year-olds having a very similar conversation next to me. And I was like, this <laughs> yeah. is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me. And so that's a funny story that I thought of. Oh my God, I'm like sweating, laughing at this. <laughs> When you when you stumbled on the word for blunt, I was like, I feel that deep because I like barely drank. Like I never did drugs. Like I've done weed like maybe three times, and every time I'm like an anxious mess. Like I'm just like substances in me are not not friends. So I was I like, I feel this on, like a, a deep level of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> confusion yeah. and embarrassment. Oh my god, it's funny how the embarrassing stories like those they're always the funniest. Yeah. <laughs> they always are. It's such a story. Oh my God. Anyway, that's my brand right there. <laughs> I love that. That just made my day. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, we're wrapping it up, but I want to make sure I give you a minute or two to talk about anything you want to talk about, like where people can follow you or what your website is, things like that. And obviously I'll put everything in the show notes so you don't have to spell anything out or anything. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I have a tough last name, so that is yeah. helpful. Um, <laughs> so yeah, my website is just mikeimle.com. And if people want to try out this mapping themselves, I have a free resource on there that just is, I think it's like a 30 minute video that walks you through a worksheet and actually helps you to begin mapping. It's not the full two and a half hours, but it's going to get you started and get you some ideas of what you, you should do the two and a half fun. hours. But you should also do that. <laughs> That's super fun. Um, so you can always reach out to me. But um, it's just mikeimle.com slash map, M-A-P. Um, I know I don't need to spell it, but I just did. And that will help you. Um, and then if you do want to follow me on Instagram, I, as I mentioned, I do talk a lot about queerness and sexuality and shame on there. So if that's not your thing, totally cool. But I do also weave in branding and purpose as I'm able to. Um, and my handle is just at mikeimle. So you can come follow me there. And you have the best reels. You find the best sounds and audio for your reels. Oh, God. Thank you, you for saying it. that. Because Instagram is always a headache for me. But I'm trying every day to love it more and more. So I'm really trying. And I think it, that zany energy. The zanier and the weirder and the more fun I can be, the more fun I have doing it. Yeah, the and reels the work really well for you because you. of all that. So awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on here and chatting with me and making my day just a little bit better. It was so nice to catch up. It was great. Thank you so much. It's been such an honor and so fun.
and an honor oh my god stop of course it, it was <laughs> well thank you thank you so much and yeah i highly recommend everyone give him a follow and map your sensitivities it's super fun you'll learn so much about yourself or maybe not even learn about yourself but just it, it'll empower you to really dive into being you which i i loved i say the best truths are always um duh i knew that and holy shit, I can't believe that's true at the same time. And that's what we all want. Something that we kind of intuitively know, but that can bring us to consciousness so that we can use whenever we want. Yes. You you said it better than me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I will talk to you later. Thanks so much again. Bye.